Hello, everybody, and um, those of you guys who are about to start fasting today, so have an easy fast. It's not supposed to be super easy, otherwise it doesn't work. It's supposed to be terrible and hard and full of lamentation so that at least some of your sins can be forgiven. But we'll talk about it in a second. First, um, let's start off with the week ahead. We have um, a few things happening. First of all, yesterday, if you didn't notice, uh, we have moved into Libra. So that's actually a very interesting um, period we're living in right now. The, this yesterday, today, even tomorrow is influenced by the uh, equinox. Equinox comes from the word equal. We talked about it last, last day, uh, last week. Uh, between the night and the day, the inside, the outside, masculine, feminine. What's happening today specifically is that we're moving from being six months in the sign of, um, uh, in the energy, uh, let's say in the yang piece, part of the year, the year that we are much more outdoors and doing things outside, into the yin, which means going inward, at least in the northern hemisphere. And this is all based on the idea behind the yin-yang. I think we mentioned it a few times here that in China during the summer, the men, the boys used to go to the fields, the rice fields, and they had a shack there. They used to stay the whole summer, or most of the summer, away from the women, away from their home, with their boys, working the land. And then in the after the harvest, remember Virgo is the sign of harvest, the lady of the harvest. We have the um, the harvest full moon happened what a week or so ago. That was the last full moon. It's always the last full moon before the fall equinox in the northern hemisphere. So that was the harvest full moon. We're done harvesting everything. Now we take everything we harvest back uh, to our homes, and that's where the yin energy is waiting that's where the women are waiting and then the whole winter is a period where the whole family is together everybody's indoor and of course women have much more work because now they have to uh, uh, clean up and take care of the boys and the men but the idea is that during the winter we are much more inward whether it's symbolically inside of ourselves, more introspective or we're back home in a sense and of course what we're seeing now are the periods of the night starting to grow so the only difference between the winter the uh, spring equinox and the fall equinox is that the day after the spring equinox the days are getting longer the day after the uh, fall equinox the nights are getting longer so what we're dealing with right now is again more and more of the feminine energy it's as if we're being injected now with much more feminine energy and that includes imagination dreams mysticism intuition creativity art a family home compassion healing all of those things are getting stronger and stronger until we get to the winter solstice which is going to be the 21st 22nd of december and then everything is adjusted on the 21st of march the first day of the year uh, the astrological year and the spring equinox at least in the northern hemisphere so today as you can see on the chart it's one degrees libra now why was yesterday so important yesterday was as we mentioned last week the day of the birth of the birthday according to the talmud according to kabbalah of adam and eve so the whole idea is that remember we said yesterday that God in the Bible just tells us to remember something about the first day of the seven month. First day in the Bible is always the new moon. 
seven months if you start counting from aries you're going to get into libra so god just tells us hey guys you have to remember something in uh, rosh hashanah every year it doesn't say rosh hashanah it says it basically says the day of remembering you have to blow the shofar maybe because god is getting a little bit older and he needs an alarm clock to remember something he remembered there needs to be something to remember but he doesn't remember what needs to be remembered because he doesn't tell moses what to start remembering on the first day of the seventh month but the important thing is that on the 10th day of that month we have the day of atonement which is what's happening tonight uh, for those of you who are celebrating and again most likely statistically speaking you guys have been if not jewish this lifetime jewish in a past lifetime because the same way that jews travel around the world and are scattered around the world their souls are also scattered around many different traditions so i'm sure there's a lot of buddhists today that were jews and a lot of muslims today that were jews and a lot of atheists today that were jews so Basically, most likely, you have been a Jew in a past lifetime and absorbed this day of um, forgiveness and asking forgiveness. And it's a, actually, it's a beautiful concept. While we are in Libra, the sign of balance, the sign of relationship, a cardinal air sign, to come to people and say, hey guys, I'm sorry if I've done something that offended you or hurt you. Uh, also asking forgiveness for yourself. Uh, there is something, we talked about it last week, hatarat uh, nedarim, like the, the breaking of any kind of vows that you have made to yourself because you can't break a vow you made for another person. You can't just go to the bank and tell them, hey, I promised to pay you $500 million for this house, uh, but it's Yom Kippur today, so uh, I'm going to let go of that vow. It's only vows that you have committed towards yourself or pledged towards yourself that you can undo in um, Rosh Hashanah and between Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur we have 10 days corresponding to the 10 days of the 10 spheres of the tree of life to the 10 archetypes in numerology every day represents a mastering of a different archetype or a different spheres and when we get to the kingdom which is the last sphere which is today we are basically cleansing the kingdom cleansing your connection to the earth in the tree of life kingdom represents everything that is in the universe that was established 13.8 billion years ago. And by the way, there's a new study now that they suspect that maybe we are twice as old, 26 billion years. So we might have been just added um, 13 billion years. But I think they're still arguing about it, so we're not going to talk about it as much. But it will be interesting if it's 26, uh, being that 26 is the equivalent in Gimatria of yod Hey vav Hey, the unpronounceable name of God that I just pronounced. So... 26 would be also interesting because even in numerology in English, G-O-D adds up to 26. So it will be actually very interesting. Not that 13 is a bad number. 13 is a great number. It's also very mystical. But 26 is uh, it's nicer. So maybe in the next uh, few months they will establish that theory or maybe they will uh, basically revoke it. But the idea is that we are in Libra right now and it's a month of balancing, balancing our uh, financial sheets, balancing our karmic sheets. That's why Saturn, the Lord Karma, Shabtai, when he is in Libra, he's considered to be exalted. You know that certain planets get more power, more strength, depends on the sign that they're landing. The same way that the banana growing in the tropics will do much better than a banana growing in the desert. So it's the same plant, but the area where it grows is different. The same thing with the planet. It's the same planet, not plant, but planet, but it depends what soil it has, whether it's a Libra or a Virgo or a Leo will determine the strength of a specific planet. And when Saturn falls in Libra, it's exalted. And I always thought, why Libra? 
And then I realized, I thought, first I thought, you know what, because karma in relationship, you have karmic relationship with your partner, it's the person you have the most amount of karma with, blah, blah, maybe. But then I've realized it's much more connected to the goddess Ma'at uh, in the ancient Egyptian technology, uh, um, mythology, the idea that universal justice. So Saturn is the Lord Karma. What is karma? Action and reaction, the relationship between something you've done and the response of that, the ramification of it. So that's why when Saturn, the Lord Karma, is in Libra, which represents universal justice, we are being able to balance our karma. And that's precisely what's happening today. Today, energetically speaking, on the 10th day, which is always very important in any month that starts on the new moon, the 10 is four days before the completion. So it's like you're almost there. So you're getting that wisdom of the full moon, but you're not quite at the end of things. So 10, again, of course, is very important also because it's the division of three, that every sign has a division of three to it, and everything is made out of three. Don't forget, in the tree of life, the third sphere is understanding. So in order to understand something, we have to break it into past, present, and future to know where something is in space, length, width, height. So the three coordinates always help us to pinpoint. And of course, it's related to the sacred mountain, the triangle, that's the first enclosed shape. So the idea is that right now we are able to balance our karmic uh, spreadsheets so everything that we've done but what they do what they tell us in Yom Kippur is hey forget about your past lifetime karma for now forget about the things that you've done when you're younger let's focus on the last year so today if you can just spend some time contemplating whether you're Jewish not Jewish don't believe yes believe it doesn't matter it's actually a good excuse to sit down and actually think about or feel what have you done? Who have you wronged? Maybe you've wronged yourself. Uh, yeah, of course. But maybe you've wronged other people. Maybe you've done certain things that later on you found out really hurt someone. So this is a time to say, hey, you know, I'm sorry. You can call them. I think it's always best. Talk to them. Or you can do it in your meditation. Like literally scan the year if you can. Uh, go back in time. Beginning of the year. In the beginning of the year, I'm talking about last September until now. And try to figure out where do I need to balance my karmic sheet where do i have to really uh, where do i still feel some element of um, uh, darkness or ignorance or pain in me that i need to kind of rectify so again saturn in kabbalah is called the tikkun the rectifier and yes in kabbalah there is the idea of tikkun olam the fixing of the world but you can start fixing with yourself you know um, if you can't change uh, the world change yourself as uh, matt johnson said if you remember that song from the the so the idea is that right now we're not only having the sun in Libra, but we also have Mars, the god of war in Libra, and we have Minerva, the goddess of justice, the goddess of wisdom. She's the one that instituted the judicial system in Athens, uh, supposedly. So Athena being in Libra is very balanced. Sitting on top of the sun is great because it gives you wisdom. The wisdom to know what you've really done that's not good, what really still needs to be balanced and rectified. This is what you should focus today, tomorrow if you can. And again, it is a very good time for this, energetically speaking, because as you remember, Rosh Hashanah is supposed to fall on the new moon in Libra. It didn't this year because of the uh, leap year. Uh, we had it in Virgo. That's why also Passover next uh, in 2024 is not going to fall next to uh, where it's supposed to. 
the full moon after the equinox is actually going to be in Taurus, which is something completely not connected to the holiday, except you know the story of Exodus, which you'll mention today also, uh, has, of course, the unfortunate event of the golden calf, which is uh, Taurus, in a sense. So for some reason, and maybe it's related to what's going on in Israel, uh, the Jews are going to celebrate the golden calf this Passover, because Passover is going to fall on Taurus, which is definitely not supposed to. It's supposed to be in Aries. So every few years, we have that um, distortion between the astrological origin of the holiday and the actual holiday that was dressed on it. Remember, we talked many times, astrology is the mother not only of sciences, but also of religion. I don't think there's a lot of um, holidays in religion that were not somehow dressed on the astrological skeleton, whether it's Passover, Easter, whether it's Ramadan, whether it's the celebration of the birth, death, and enlightenment of the Buddha, uh, whether it's all the holidays in the Vedic tradition, all the holidays in the Jewish tradition, the Tibetan tradition, the Persian tradition, uh, goes on and on and on. Uh, Hanukkah, of course, Christmas, Rosh Hashanah, all of them are holidays that have to do with astrology first. First came astrology, this phenomenon that certain planets align in a certain way, and then they dressed it, religion dresses it with an interpretation, uh, with a story, uh, with a ritual, basically, a ceremony that gives that specific astrological phenomena a meaning and a collective meaning. So again, Rosh Hashanah is supposed to be on the new moon in Libra. That's why there's always this idea of judgment if we're going to be written in the book of the living or the book of the dead. And then 10 days after, it's sealed. You know, that's it. You're going to live. You're going to die. Who's going to be born? Who's going to be um, taken away to be born later on? So that's what we're going on today. It's pretty intense. It starts at sunrise, a sundown, sundown. It don't. It starts at sunset and ends in sunset. The reason why is because in Genesis, if you remember, every day starts at a sunset. So that's why we celebrate in Judaism the days from sunset to sunset, not necessarily from dawn or from twelve a.m. So today, you know, I'm, I've, we've been talking here about it quite a while, about the, um, uh, the strike, the writer strikes and the actor strikes here. And I always, guys, I told you that before Mercury retrograde, it's not going to be resolved. They didn't even talk uh, before Mercury retrograde. It was done. Mercury was done retrograding just, what, a week ago or so. And we heard that the conversations are getting much stronger, much better. Hopefully, they're going to sign something pretty soon. And... I even talked to my friend who is actually involved in the um, strike uh, or at least a negotiation. I told him, listen, Mercury in Virgo, you guys have now Mercury 13 degrees Virgo. As you can see on the chart, you have a, about a week or so when Mercury is in Virgo, exalted. Mercury is the writer and the communicator. Virgo is the editor and paying attention to small details. And there was just this um, article that came out that supposedly they're very close to a deal. They just have to, the small details take care of. Well, Mercury in Virgo is perfect for small details. And especially because Mercury is going to get closer and closer to Uranus and Jupiter, which is happening tomorrow and the day after. I'm really hopeful that this strike can be done in the next few days. At least it's one of the best times to do that, including the strike with the auto makers, at least in the United States, because we're talking about Mercury being in Virgo. Virgo, again, is paying attention to small details, but also Virgo is the employees. So think about it. Virgo is the sign of work, employees, not of bosses. Bosses is much more Leo, you can say, maybe Aries, but Virgo is definitely the employees, the workers, the actual people that make the clock tick, 
So that's something that Mercury is now blessing, not only because Mercury now is in Virgo and it aligns very well with Uranus that is in Taurus and Jupiter that is in Taurus, but also with Pluto, which is in Capricorn. So this triangle should be sealed. Let's see when, so we can look like when there's going to be higher chances. So yeah, already in Tuesday, there should be some good news uh, about the strikes. And also um, we can look a little bit further down the line. Yeah. And around October 2nd and 3rd, also there should be some good news. Uh, and fourth, about uh, the strikes in general, any strikes. It's not like specifically for United States, just because of that Mercury retrograde sending such a uh, uh, sorry, because of Mercury being in Virgo, sending such powerful um, lines. So back to today. Today we have the moon in Capricorn. It's a little bit heavy. Uh, Mercury moon in Capricorn is in exile. So the moon is in exile. She's far away from home. And the moon is trying is conjunct Pluto. That actually is interesting today because it talks about a transformation, death and resurrection. So it's actually very fitting to have that moon today and tomorrow being in Capricorn on top of Pluto, especially because the moon is having a good time because she's having a party with Uranus, Jupiter, this, uh, Mercury. So there's a beautiful trine you can see on the chart, that the, the golden triangle or the sacred mountain. And it's pointing at Virgo, at Mercury in Virgo, which again is exalted. So right now we have Mercury exalted. If you need anything done with writing, marketing, sales, communication, networking, yes, we're still in the shadow of Mercury. So it's a little bit darker, but you can drive in the shadow. You can walk in shadows. At least you're walking forward and you don't have to walk backward. So it's going to be much easier from the end of September. But in general, things are supposed to start moving and becoming much easier with any kind of conversation, deals, putting things together, connecting, writing, especially for editing. It's really good. And if we look at tomorrow, we the moon is moving into Aquarius. That's going to be shifting the energy. And actually tomorrow, the moon is going to be trining the sun, which is also trining uh, Minerva. That's actually very, very good. When the moon and the sun are having a good time, there is a flow in the universe. It's like the same way that in the family, when the mother and father are kind of fuddling each other and nice to each other and kissing each other and kind of uh, uh, talking love talk. The kids are having a much easier time. That's what's happening to us tomorrow. The sun and the moon, mother and father are aligned in what is called the trine, 120 degrees. And also the fact that um, a Virgo, a Mer Mercury is sending beautiful energy to Uranus and that's going to be tighter and tighter the next week. So we're talking about an element of brilliance uh, anything to do with innovation, technology, thinking outside of the box, uh, re, uh, redoing things and being able to do things in a much more efficient and effective way. Because again, Virgo is all about efficiency and effectiveness. And Uranus is about innovation, a wake-up call, uh, something to do with um, technology, friendships. And because we have, to, uh, what is it, Monday, yeah, a perfect trine between Mercury and Jupiter. That's great because it's the left and the right hemisphere that are working together, logic and philosophy. Um, you can even say digits and colors. They're all aligned very strongly tomorrow. So... Even if you're fasting, maybe it's a time to um, work in the garden or do some beauty or connect to some uh, design or colors or just have times to think about um, very interesting thoughts. Because again, tomorrow is a day of brilliance and I'm thinking that it could really help get some storm, like my, let's say, um, 
of much more flow, let's say, with the negotiations. I'm hopeful with any kind of negotiations. So that's Monday and Tuesday. And if you need to negotiate something, if you need to think about yeah, a perfect time for brainstorming and thinking outside of the box, that's definitely your day this week. September 25, great for that. September 26, we're continuing that moon in Aquarius and the flow between the moon and Mars are getting really strong. So that means that action and emotions are linked very well. It's not only about um, feeling something, but it's about acting upon it. It's not only about acting, it's acting with emotional and passion. So the fact that the moon and Mars are sending very good energy to each other is beautiful. The fact that Pluto and Uranus are starting to get their trine, their connection, their bridge tighter and tighter is also really good. These are for both generational planets or what we call uh, global planets. And when they're aligned, uh, usually the news are much better. Uh, because there is something that collectively helps all of us align. Um, another trine is happening between um, Vesta and Saturn. Those are very traditional planets, and they're both in water sign. The fact that her, the, the lady of the hearth, uh, the lady Vesta, is sending such strong energy to Saturn is great. The fact that she's in Cancer is amazing because she's the goddess of the hearth, and Cancer is home and family, real estate. So again, very good flow between Saturn to Vesta, bring things done, make things done, especially around the home, family. And because Saturn is in Pisces, which is a little bit more mystical, you have some connection to either the mysticism in your own family or your own heritage. So that will be interesting to do, to, to connect to. Or if you feel aligned with a certain kind of tradition, it could be yoga, it could be Kabbalah, it could be... Uh, I don't know, another thing that flows down uh, in history doesn't have to be connected to a religion or to a country specifically. That also can be benefiting. The only thing is that the moon and Venus are opposite to each other on Tuesday. It's not always comfortable, especially there could be some conflict among women. Uh, sometimes it's older women with a younger woman. Sometimes it's a mother with a daughter. Sometimes it also means that there could be some conflict between some members of your family, especially mother and your partner or a relationship. Uh, that's again because Venus and the black moon are going to be opposite on Tuesday to the moon. So be a little bit more careful with jealousy, projections of jealousy, slandering, mis uh, um, miscommunication. So just to be a little bit more careful in Tuesday uh, from that. Wednesday, the situation changes. Um, we have the moon on top of Saturn, though. That means, again, some kind of challenges around home and family, emotionally a little bit more challenged. But at the same time, we still have that beautiful trine between Vesta and Saturn, and now the moon joins that trine, so that helps. Venus is sending actually great energy to the North Node. That actually means that you might meet people you might have known in past lifetime, have an artistic expression come to you that you might have developed in a past life. Uh, going to place, it seems familiar. So it's almost as if in Wednesday we have a little bit of a past lifetime regression going on. And by the way, I just added for the, equ uh, uh, the eclipse on the 28th of the October, we have a powerful eclipse and it's going to be in Scorpio and Taurus. And because it's a few days before Halloween, which is the day when the, day, when the, the living and the dead, the, the veils are very thin, I decided to do a webinar and a past lifetime regression. So I just posted it here and it also should be on my um, Instagram, live Instagram. So if you want to do a past lifetime regression in the most auspicious time of the year, that's going to be your thing. Uh, 28th of October, it's going to be right on the eclipse. So... 
talking about past lifetime regression, spontaneous past lifetime regression, that's very, very strong on Wednesday. Again, because the moon is on top of Saturn, you're clearing away some ancestral karma, something in your DNA, something in your genes. But also uh, there is that very powerful flow between still Mercury and Jupiter, great communication, communication not only between people, but also from the above to the below. The only thing is that, I oh, know it's not actually not too strong. Uh, but again, because the moon is in Pisces, Wednesday, Thursday, there's going to be a lot of connection to intuition, movement, mysticism, imagination. That's flowing very strongly. Then the conjunction between the sun and Minerva is getting very tight on Thursday and Friday. That's really, really powerful. I mean, you literally have the goddess of wisdom once a year being... Um, Put on the stage by the sun. So everything is shining on justice, fairness, equality, just wars. So around Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you might had a, you might feel a call to action. Uh, maybe it's a new business. Maybe it's a new relationship. Maybe it's a new awareness. Maybe it's some kind of a fight that you decide that it's important to fight, not only for yourself, but for other people. So the idea is that you have something really strong in connection or let's say you're able to see your own wisdom. You might be encountering a wise woman because literally Minerva, the goddess of wisdom, is sending a beautiful or she's in conjunction with the sun, which makes the sun wiser and her more brilliant. Because always conjunction basically means that it's not like just two people there talking simultaneously, it's like it's becoming a new person in a sense. It's a sun and, the Mer and, and Minerva. They're no longer the sun and Minerva in conjunction, but they're Minerva sun. You know, there's some kind of a new connection. And you know how in Gestalt, the, the result or the, uh, what is coming out of the parts coming together is stronger than each one of the parts alone. So anytime there is a conjunction, you can imagine it as a new planet or a new entity that is there temporarily because two planets came together. And the interesting thing on September 28, which is a Thursday, the moon and Neptune are also coming together. So the sun has a companion, Minerva, the goddess of wisdom, and the moon has a companion, uh, Neptune, the planet that connects to imagination, mysticism, intuition, gut feeling. So again, very interesting day on Thursday. And Friday, we're having the full moon. So it's uh, September 29. We're having the full moon. Remember, the new moon was Rosh Hashanah. This is the full moon, uh, September 29. It's a very powerful full moon because it is the opposite full moon of Passover. So this is the full moon that is located precisely 180 degrees away from Passover, which means that it's holding space to Passover. So whatever Passover is, it's about liberation, coming out of winter. Now we're entering the days. It's almost as if Passover is the liberation of the slaves from Egypt. But uh, this full moon is Jacob going with his children to Egypt. That caused the fair, there was the inciting incident of the story of Exodus. So, it's many ways you can trace whatever is going on around this week, especially around Friday. That could be showing you what later on in six months from now in Passover you're going to have to liberate yourself from. The moon in Aries is all about action, movement. So, the weekend is going to be very busy with a lot of action, doing things, uh, making things happen. But again, the full moon, six degrees Libra. Let's see, uh, sorry, six degrees Aries. The Sabian symbol is a man successfully expressing himself in two realms at once. Hmm, it's almost like uh, entanglement. 
uh, a wave of probability. But a man successfully, ex yeah, your masculine energy is successfully expressing itself in a dual way in two places at the same time. Maybe it's a, you know, again, it's a full moon. So maybe at that, uh, what it's trying to tell us that we'll be able to balance, again, Libra, two things at the same time or balance action and reception. But that's overall a powerful full moon. The full moon is getting a little annoyance from uh, Vesta. It means that this weekend some uh, more traditional people are going to act out. And then we have also at the same time, uh, is anybody helping the full moon? Um, Jupiter is kind of trying to... No, it's not helping us. Nothing with the full moon. No, the moon is kind of uh, having a hard time. The sun also is having a hard time. Yeah, it's not the easiest uh, full moon. It could be a little bit emotional. It could be even a little bit uh, aggressive or violent. So let's, let's look at the news Friday, Saturday, and come back to it next week. Saturday, the moon is still in Aries. It's on top of Chiron. Once a month, certain wounds come up, resurface, in order for us to be healed. But Saturday, like we said, I think it is the... Yeah, Saturday is the precise conjunction. You see 7 degrees um, Minerva, 7 degrees the sun, and the Sabian symbol of that degree is a blazing fireplace in a deserted home. Well, that doesn't sound as nice. Uh, hopefully, it's not going to be too much wildfires because of that. But the idea is that we have a lot of clarity, a lot of clarity, at least in connection to justice and fairness. And look at this beautiful trine between Mercury and Uranus. That's the peak of it on Saturday. And let's see if it lasts to Sunday. No. So Friday and Saturday is the best time for brainstorming, for getting clarity, for getting solution, for finding ways to bridge things. Again, don't forget we are in Libra. The whole idea of Libra is balancing your relationship, connecting to significant others, connecting to beauty, art, design, colors, and harmony. Also, we're getting into, a, uh, um, into eclipse season very soon. So just be aware we have it uh, October 14 and 28. We'll definitely talk about it here. October 28, like we said, we're going to have the past lifetime regression, the best time in the year to do it. And uh, October 14 is also a pretty powerful eclipse. And it's going to be an eclipse that you're going to be able to see actually pretty clearly. I heard that there is one town in Texas, in Utah. You can see it very well. I mean, it's going to be a prelude for the American eclipse that's going to happen next year. But still, it's going to be a great time. I mean, this is a great eclipse to actually be watching. Uh, and again, because it's in Scorpio and Taurus, Taurus is exalted, the moon is exalted, Taurus it's fallen. It's kind of an extreme eclipse. It's like very good, very bad, very good, very bad. So it's definitely going to quicken a lot of processes for us. A few things that I wanted um, to mention um, that I thought about this um, week. Um, let's see. Yeah, so... We talked about the class. Yeah, for, so, for a little bit about Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Like we said, it's once a year that you are supposed to say I'm sorry and to hope that other people forgive you as well. It's the end of the 10 days of all, like we talked about it. Now, it's interesting because according to rabbinic tradition, you remember how Moses went up to the mountain 
supposedly God gave him a something, a relic that is written by God, made by God. It's the only thing besides the universe that we have that God actually set down as a hobby and created the Ten Commandments, right? So Moses comes down from the, Mos- from the mountain. He's shining with bright light. He had to cover his head so people can see him. That's why Michelangelo made little horns uh, to his Moses. If you remember, that's because the Hebrew word for radiating uh, light of God, keren, could also mean um, a horn. So because, you know, you have rays of light coming on, like when you say Karen, Karen, the name Karen in English basically means that it's a ray of light. But Karen also could mean a horn, like the horn that you blow, like the shofar. So he came down with his little horns, right? And uh, what he saw is the people were impatient. Uh, They didn't hear from him. He went up there. He got kind of lost in his uh, conversation with God. So when he came back, he sees that the people collected all their gold, gold and created this golden calf, right? And they started praying for it, sacrificing for it, etc., etc. So when he came back, he got really pissed. He broke the only thing that God ever gave him. And of course, you know that he hired the Leviites. Leviites were like his gang. And 3,000 people, men, women, and, and children actually, were killed uh, at that purge after that so definitely Moses had a lot of things to say I'm sorry to but anyway he had to go back to the mountain it probably was Mercury retrograde probably it was Mars retrograde with his luck probably it was Venus retrograde maybe all the planets retrograde and he had to retrograde back to Mount Sinai and get the second version uh, you know the Ten Commandments 2.0 which was not as beautiful because supposedly the first commandments that we got there were rotating letters and kind of alchemical wizardry there this one was just a stone with some etching on it that Moses probably did not very carefully because he was pissed and anyway when he comes back also God gave him the 13 rays you can say of compassion so according to rabbinic uh, tradition when Moses uh, descended the second time with the tablet it was Yom Kippur so today was the day that Moses came back the second time Um, And he also announced that the people have been forgiven. That's why Yom Kippur is associated with this, because God forgave them after, you know, he killed 3,000 people. But still, he's forgiving them. And as a result, the result is the Torah uh, is fixed uh, this day as a permanent holiday of forgiveness. So that's kind of the origin of it. And supposedly we had 13, let's say, rays or 13 paths of compassion that was given in Exodus 34 6 you can actually read it if you want it's all the um, mercy and the uh, compassion that we're supposed to have towards each other because God had it towards us even though we really messed up Um, now a few things I've recognized uh, on my own experience I told you astrology the beautiful thing about astrology is that you constantly evolve it constantly adjusts to life and if the astrologers that are using astrology are a little bit more paying attention to details we can add more incidents and clarification to certain aspects that are happening up there so for example remember we had venus retrograde and in venus retrograde i decided i wanted to change my sofa that was really uncomfortable i sold it and i got a new sofa i think i told you that it's the sofa over there but it's white and i have a black cat that likes to sleep of all places on the sofa so I knew that I had to cover it with something so I got this um, Moroccan silk and it was Venus retrograde and uh, and then after I ordered it I said you know what that's so stupid I don't know if you can even wash silk so what is the purpose of all this I, I should return it I told you don't buy anything in Venus retrograde you idiot I you tell everybody not to do it and it's something to do with design and you said not to do it 
Okay, so already in my head, I decided I'm going to return it during Venus Retrograde. And then I went online and I checked to see you can't return things on Etsy from that specific seller. So I got really pissed off and I said to myself, you see, I told you, I told you, I told you, don't buy it. So when it came, I was really surprised because it looks amazing. I don't know if you can see it very well, but it looks beautiful. It feels really great and you can actually wash it. So what I've learned from Venus Retrograde is this. Venus retrograde makes our mind go off in relation to things that relates to Venus, making us look at things upside down. So yes, it's not the best time to buy things because you look at things upside down. You might look at the silk and say, oh, it's beautiful, but really it's not. But it also works the other way around. Because I'm so wrapped up in astrology, I started punishing myself, um, you know, doing this uh, uh, terrible pledges on me that I had to, I have to undo right now, actually, um, all these vows and recognize that Venus retrograde also why you can't get married in Venus retrograde because you might regret it why can't you start a new relationship in Venus retrograde because you might see that they're amazing and then when Venus goes direct you'll see the truth so the same thing can happen the other way around and even though I was absolutely sure that I will hate this silk that I will have to give it away I already started planning where I'm going to do with it if I'm going to throw it if I'm going it was $75 or if I'm going to give it as a gift to somebody else to deal with it and then when it came here and it, it fit perfectly, I said, okay, Venus retrograde can also go that way. You think something is really, really bad and it's not going to work for you and it's not going to fit. And then you put it on, bang, it fits perfectly. So that's something to remember on next Venus retrograde. Another thing I, I uh, thought about this week, and you know, because I spend a lot of time alone, I think a lot. So please excuse me. And, and that's why I share with you all of my thoughts. But one thought I had that I remembered, because I'm sure there's a lot of thoughts I don't remember. But that thought, I was uh, downstairs and I saw the geranium that I, uh, that I put there in a pot, in a place, because it was supposed to cover something. So it had a purpose. And it did cover what it was supposed to cover. But one, uh, let's say, branch of the, of the geranium kind of grew around the, the, under the table and came up again around the, around the dragon, giving him almost like that cover that the Buddha had when he was uh, meditating, if you remember from the cobra that helped guard him from the rain while he was sitting there for seven days. And I looked at the geranium and I said, oh my God, I never thought about that. You're brilliant. You grew in a way that is far more interesting than what I have planted you for. And then I thought, wait a minute, I had that same thought, that same feeling, but it wasn't about a plant. Oh yeah, it was about ChatGPT, about AI. What happened? As I told you, my 2024 book, which is now being loaded on Amazon, so soon it will be for pre-sale. Um, I have a section there that, you know, how every year I do it, Venus in um, a Mars, Venus in Aquarius, you know, and a little bit of interpretation. And when a GPT uh, edited it for me, he did something really interesting. He said something like, when Mars flirts with, uh, with, Ge with Gemini, and Mars marches into Aries. Mars hikes through Capricorn. And I said, wait, I didn't write that. That's brilliant because, yeah, Gemini is kind of flirtatious. And, yeah, Aries is about war. So Mars marches into war. And, yeah, Capricorn is an Earth sign. It's a mountain. You go hike there. He did something I didn't expect him to do. I didn't read it anywhere else. And I thought that was brilliant. So, now I pre, pre if you think about where is AI right now with the, in the realm of evolution, it's probably a plant, okay? 
and then it's going to be an animal and then it's going to be human and then it's going to be more and then i thought about this beautiful poem by um mevlana by rumi how he says i died as a mineral and became a plant okay i died as a plant and rose as an animal i died as an animal and i will and i was born a man Later on, he talks about how he will die as a man and become an angel and then die as an angel and be part of God. When was I less for dying? You know, why should I fear death? When was I less by dying? And that, some of you know that I made a a song out of it. Uh, I made my own um, version, interpretation of that song, of that poem. But that made me think again about the whole idea of AI, how it is used to be a mineral, nothing solid nothing looks like it i can't move it can't do anything to a plant it starts growing in places you never suspected it will grow it will be an animal oh i kind of love him i uh, give him a name it's like my pet and then it's going to become a person cyber i mean um, maybe there will be kind of cybernetics going around and then it will be an angel hopefully not a demon and then it will be part of god again because everything is part of god even ai so that's another thought I had uh, this week. But for some negative thoughts, um, I was really pissed off, and sorry, it happened during uh, the terrible day, the days of awe, uh, that a Texas uh, teacher, you probably heard about it also, was fired after assigning an illustrated adaptation of Anna, Anna Frank's diary uh, for a middle school class. Okay, it's for a school, cl- it's for the eighth graders. Eighth graders about what, 13, 14 years old? Anna Frank was 13, 14 when she wrote her diary. And what happened is that in that uh, specific illustration adaptation, they did use one of the pages that the father of Anna Frank used to censor. So it was basically what it's about. It's about her talking about her own genitals, talking about wanting to see females' friends' breasts. I mean, they censored it. They, she, not only they censored it, which is super stupid, uh, they're trying to raise a generation of idiots because that's what's going to happen with Alpha. You know, the Gen Z escaped this, but the Gen, but, but Alpha generation growing up in places like Texas and Florida and Afghanistan and Pakistan, you know, now also Israel, unfortunately, and I'm sure also in, in Hungary and Poland and, and Russia, they're raised as idiots. Basically, they're banned all the books that make them think, that make them see things differently. We're literally raising a a generation of idiots. So that Texas teacher wasn't only reprimanded, she was fired for actually showing people something that a a girl that their age wrote. And of course, she's going to be interested in her genitals and wanting to see breasts of other girls. I mean, for crying out loud, she's stuck in a closet and she's a teenager. She's growing. And that's precisely what kids that are 13 and 14 are dealing with. So to censor that, you know, and then one of the, um, uh, one of the, there is a, this organization, the Moms for Liberty, and it's, it's an extremist group. It's almost like a terrorist group for intelligence. Uh, they decided it's inappropriate way to teach the Holocaust. Okay, there's two guys here that wrote in Israel this uh, comic book. Their parents and their family are Holocaust survivors. You know, you're talking about Anna Frank who wrote it, and she's in the Holocaust. And then there is this people in Texas or these mothers someplace in the United States thinking that they know better how to teach the Holocaust. I mean, how idiotic you can be and, and get away with it. I mean, I can't really believe that people are just okay with that. Yeah, they're basically okay with growing a generation of um, fools. 
And that's unbelievable because Texas, with her, with their, uh, um, sorry, but her ridiculous governor, already banned 430 books. You know, uh, this is getting closer and closer to how much the Nazis uh, um, basically banned. So this is really, really bad. It starts with these little th- small things, and then from from burning books, you burn people. From banning books, you ban people, and that's just a short ride into ignorance. And at the same time, uh, during these terrible days, but um, it's actually happened a little bit earlier. It happened during Venus retrograde and Mercury retrograde, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Daryl George, also in Texas, a 17-year-old, was uh, suspended for more than two weeks for wearing natural hairstyle uh, for the school. Um, Even though in Texas there's a new rule, not new, but called crown, which means that you can't be discriminated by the way you put your hair on it's not like he came with a mohawk like this you know like his hair like this so it blocks the kids from behind from seeing the teacher and even that happens and he wants to wear his hair like that just ask him to to sit in the back so you know so he's only gonna you're not gonna disturb anybody's view but what struck me besides the idiotic idioticness of uh, uh, generally what's going on there with the school system especially in texas the funny thing is that he's a junior at the Barber's High School, Barber's Hill High School in Mont Bellevue in Texas. I mean, come on. It can't be so obvious and to tell people, hey, come on, uh, there is a kid in Barber's Hill High School in Texas that uh, had a problem. You had a problem with his hair, so you suspended him for two weeks. You know, come on. Sometimes it's kind of funny. Somebody really has to, to do something about this, don't you think? Um, oh, yeah, something interesting that I also read about, um, where was it? Uh, yeah, research shows that people who speak another language are more utilitarian and flexible, less risk-averse, less egotistical, and able to cope with traumatic memories. Besides altering the quality of our memories, switching between languages can influence people's financial decision-making and their appraisal of moral dilemmas. By speaking a second language, we can even become more rational, more open-minded, and better equipped to deal with uncertainty. This phenomenon is known as the foreign language effect, obviously, and the benefits may be inspiration for anyone who could like to enrich their mind with the words of another tongue. That's from The Guardian. Now, this is really beautiful. Not because I happen to speak Hebrew and English and kind of Spanish, but and astrology, I guess it's another language. But the idea is that I always told people that, uh, and I'm going to mention it in the class of past lifetimes, that the, one of the best ways to have past lifetime memories flood you is to learn another language because all the skills that you have known or developed and and had when you spoke that other language can download when you are learning a new language learning that language so for example for me it happened very obviously i mean for me it was very blunt maybe because i I had to speak about it later on and to pay attention to it, that when I, when I started learning Spanish, the reason why I had to learn Spanish is because uh, the class that I was taking in astrology in Mexico was in Spanish. So I've learned Kabbalah and I learned astrology in a language that I didn't speak, Spanish. And once I've learned Spanish, all of these uh, Kabbalah, astrology, tarot, uh, all of them were downloaded to me and I started working with Kabbalah. That's why even today I still say Uranus because when I studied astrology, it was Pisces, not Pisces. It was Aries, not Aries. 
it was uh, Tauro, not Taurus. And it took me a long time to adjust, you know. And some of the names are still there, like with my uh, Mexican accent. So the idea is that, yes, when you speak another language, it does something to you. But what I really think it happens, it, what happens is that you are channeling another language which means that you're tapping all to the all these egos that you had in past lifetime let's say in spain in my case it's spanish maybe i had a past lifetime in argentina and maybe a past lifetime in spain maybe another past lifetime another place that speaks spanish so all of those egos from that lifetime that i had are helping me because now there is access to them so no wonder I can be making better maybe financial decision because maybe I was a rich person in Spain in a past lifetime and maybe I have better a way to deal with moral dilemmas because it's almost like multiply personality disorder. I have some help from past um, egos. So that's one of the other reasons why you should definitely, definitely learn to speak another language. It's going to be very beneficial. So, um, yeah, I wanted to lament and to um, um, speak bad things about Bibi meeting Musk, uh, especially after, uh, you know, you know the statistic after Musk took over Twitter, uh, there was a spike of uh, twice as much anti-Semitic uh, incidents. Uh, so why would he meet with that kind of person? I don't get it. I don't understand why the Minister of Foreign Affairs in Israel is meeting the um, AUL, what are they called? Uh, the the Romanian uh, far-right party that denies the Holocaust. He's meeting them. This government in Israel now realizes it can't be friends with Western governments, so they're going to the far-right and uh, crazy people of uh, uh, different countries and different and even in countries going to the anti-Semitic part. I mean, it's ridiculous. But again, it's Yom Kippur, so let's not knock bad things about people in general. Let's stick to some kind of positivity if we can. So again, Libra for the next month, focus on beauty, art, design. If you always wanted to learn piano, if you always wanted to take a class in knitting or sculpting or recreating your studio again, this is the time uh, to do it. This is definitely the best year, the best month in the year to connect to a relationship, partnership, beauty, design, colors and art. So have an amazing week. I hope you um, um, use all the beautiful trines and conjunction that we have this um, week. And I wish you an amazing seven days. And if you're fasting, that the fast will be meaningful. It could be easy if you want. Um, meaningful and transformative. So to all the good people in Texas, I'm sorry if I said bad things about Texas. But you're in Galveston, it's different. So it's okay. And uh, you can stay there, no problem. Or definitely you should stay there because you're the kind of people that can eventually change things. If you're going to leave, that's it. It's like the 10 saints in, uh, in Sodom and Gomorrah. So thanks a lot and um, happy Yom Kippur if there's such a thing. <laughs>